This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. This is Scott from California. When I'm not hiking at national parks, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Happy Labor Day, everyone. This is my favorite holiday, because what other day do you get to talk about work and not actually do any? This is the best day ever. Lucky for you, we're still putting on this here podcast today, and to help us, we welcome from the College Plan Savings Network, the group bringing innovation to 529 college savings plans, James DeUlio. In our headline segment, we'll share facts about America's millionaires and still leave time to throw out the Haven Lifeline to a listener and answer your letters. And don't worry, you'll still be able to catch a little buzz off my trivia. And now, two guys who know nothing about labor, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. We're laboring through this show on a holiday. How great is that? Yeah, how many people are working on a holiday? Not many, except you and me, bud. But we're here for you. Welcome to the Stacky Benjamin Show, everybody. You have found us. And guess what? You're in for an hour of money and hilarity. Well, at least one of those two is correct. Yeah, we we got a fantastic show. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, just so you know which voice is which. And across this card table from me is the other guy, or as we call him, OG. What's up? Remember those commercials? What's up? What's up? Do you have a good break week? We had a nice break week. Yes. I've decided, you know, in my business... I create a lot of mess, right? I talk to clients all day long, all week long, and then I end up with this huge pile of stuff to do. And some of it's some just housekeeping things. So I've decided that the week that we have off for the show is the week that I have off for the business. Now I'm not, I don't have it off, but I'm going to take that. I'm taking that as a full 
like cleanup week where I'm not entertaining client calls. This is just me resetting the meter. Rejuvenate. Another week stretch. So yeah. good tempo that we have for the show. So I thought I'd incorporate that into my business as well. It works out pretty good. That is fantastic. You know, it would work out pretty good for most people's portfolio if they own some stocks. Did Lots you, of stocks. All stocks, I think, we've been pretty clear about that. Did you know that according to a 2016 Gallup poll, about 48% of Americans don't own any stocks? What? Yeah, that's a troubling number. Well, M1 Finance is out to change that trend and help everybody really be invested. They built an incredibly powerful and yet amazingly simple online investing tool. You can open an account with as little as 100 bucks. And by the way, that's the way to do it. You're not saving any money. Just start an automatic savings. You know what I mean? Just hook that baby up. It's super easy to do at M1 Finance. And bam, you're not even just one stock either. They create these pies. You can either work from one of the pies that they've created or one of the pies that they've created that are based on some of the best asset allocation for different age, different risk tolerance that's out there. Or you can even create your own. It's as easy as you want it to be or as complicated as you want it to be. And that's why I like M1 Finance. The first $1,000 you invest in the platforms free. And after that, it's only one quarter of 1% for portfolios up to 100000 and a super low 0.15 on accounts that maintain a balance over 100000 The tremendous thing about M1 is that it really grows with you as your needs change over time. And to give it a try, check out M1 Finance today. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance, or download their mobile app on iOS or Android. M1 Finance, be invested. You know, cool to see M1 Finance getting a lot of accolades. Just in Business Insider, a big piece on Business Insider about how awesome they are at helping Saw people. That. With their good, that's a good write-up. Yeah, with their tech strategy. And if you've ever been frustrated that the tool you're using to manage your money wasn't flexible enough, then you haven't met Tiller Money Tiller's the only personal finance tool giving you complete control over how you manage your money. Tiller automatically pulls your latest spending and earnings transactions and account balances into a Google Sheet for you every day. Choose from a variety of powerful and easy-to-use pre-built templates like the Stacking Benjamins template or harness Tiller's power to build your own Google Sheet money management dashboard. With bank-grade security, Tiller supports over 10,000 institutions so you can track your spending Measure progress on your budget, monitor your net worth, or build new reports for your own unique finance tracking needs without the fuss of logging into multiple sites or manually exporting data. As our own Kathleen Selmans, our business partner, says, Tiller Money, it's like Google Sheets and Mint had a baby. <laughs> StackyBenjamins.com forward slash. She says so sternly also. Probably not. It doesn't, doesn't strike me as Kathleen. It's like they had a baby. Had a baby. Disgusting. Ba <laughs> that didn't sound like that too. Like it was gross. <laughs> Nothing could be more beautiful than the it's Tiller like our baby. Friend, our business partner Kathleen says, it's like they had a baby. Have my spreadsheet, baby. What a lovely way to say. You know, they had a thing of like the worst songs of all time. And I think that was number one. Paul Anka's Having My Baby. You know that song? Uh, no, no, I certainly don't recognize it after your rendition. Probably not. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Tiller. All right, great show. James DeUlio here. We're talking all things 529 on Labor Day. Not going to labor through that. Let's get to some headlines. Let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. It's going to look like we were lazy today because both our headlines are coming from the same place. They're coming from money. But it's because they're both awesome and they're in completely different areas. And this is five things you didn't know about America's millionaires. 
Oh, gee, you sent this one to me. It says, as the ranks of America's millionaires continues to grow, the question for many becomes, how do I join the club? For a billionaire entrepreneur like Mark Cuban, joining the Three Comma Club was about discipline and investing in himself. He says, quote, you've got to have discipline in how you spend your money. You also have to be a little bit of a risk taker. I think if you talk to a lot of these wildly successful entrepreneurs, it seems to me like a common theme comes up. Resilience, obviously, is one of them because not often are they like, yeah, the first thing I thought of made me a gazillion dollars. But the whole concept of diversification and concentration, right? Like to get wealthy, they were really, really, really concentrated. And then you talk to them now and they're super diversified, right? Like they realized that they hit one out of the park. Maybe they weren't trying to do it. You know, you talk to a lot of these people or you listen to a lot of the interviews that they have and it doesn't, they don't come across as like, well, I was pretty sure I was going to be a billionaire. They're like, yeah, I just solved a need. And <laughs> it turned out that that turned into a whole bunch of money for me. But now I've got, you know, money spread all over the place. So that was kind of an interesting lesson out of the, out of that. I think this idea though, a discipline, I think it's overrated. I mean, I, I get what Cuban's saying and people think, okay, that means discipline means that I have to wake up every day and I got to think, oh, no latte. Oh, no. And instead, I think it's more about what one of my multimillionaire clients told me. He said, it's not about waking up every day and going, I'm not going to eat ice cream. I'm not going to eat ice cream. Because then you're going to just think about ice cream all day. It's, yeah. a, it's about when you make a good decision, realize you made a good decision, and then automate that decision, right? Take that decision that you did and say, how can I replicate that without ever thinking about it again? So we talked a little bit earlier about like hooking up an automatic investment to M1 Finance, make that decision one time to save a hundred bucks one time. And then every single month, you now have an extra hundred bucks going into that M1 right. account. I mean, yep. it, it's, it's automation. I think that's the key for me. Yeah, layers in decision fatigue and, you know, not having it and that sort of thing. Sure. After a dip in 2008, this piece says the number of America's millionaires has increased steadily every two years, reaching over 10 million people in 2016. You know, that's a big enough number, by the way, where, where you, you do, people start to think that like, how come I'm not in that club? Like if 10 million people can do it, why can't I do it too? You can. You can. I like some of those other numbers on there. I found those fascinating, like net worth of, uh, you know, 100 million or 500 million and that sort of thing. It's greatest surprisingly chunk, low. The greatest chunk of millionaires net worth is in stocks. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, a little bit of real estate, a little bit of pension plans. But if you look at that and kind of translate that to, you know, if you're not there yet, right? And you use those ratios. Like what was the ratio of stocks? I think uh, 55%. 40, 44 and then how much was their personal residence percentage-wise? 16. And then uh, defined contribution. And by the way, when you, start, when you start doing that math, too, they're not living in small homes. Well, maybe they are, maybe they're not. I mean, that's, that could be the millionaire next door thing. But I was thinking about, like, how does this translate to somebody that has $100,000 or $500,000, right? Does that kind of jive with how they are? Like, for your clients that had net worths of around half a million, did you find that they had you know, $120,000 of home equity. Oh, gotcha. $250,000, $300,000 that's my stock portfolio. But that's my point. You start doing the math on 16%, and that's not a small... I mean, maybe. You live in the Bay Area. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely not a small number. I mean, especially... Yeah. It, you're talking about the equity component of it, for yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, and if you're at $5 million, 16% of $5 million is a heck of a lot more. <laughs> Five times more, as a matter of fact. Then... Uh, that's rocket science. I, I laughed at my own. Did, did you come up with Did you come too. up with that yourself? 
Yes, I did. All by yourself. But I, I read this article and and I liked the info in it just to kind of contrast how other people are doing it. Because a lot of times you, think, you you go, oh, well, they got wealthy because of whatever. X, right? yeah. And it's not. If you look at this data, it says that they got wealthy like normal people, right? They had a little bit of pension money. They had yeah. uh, stocks. They had they had home equity, maybe a little bit of, of business equity. 8% of their money was in insurance and annuities even. Well, we should remedy that. And only 2% in a privately held business. And a lot of people think that the privately held business is the way that they got there. Yeah, that's where they get all the money, right? So a lot of, a lot of interesting stats there. Majority of millionaires spend big money on charity and travel. It says we approve on that. Yes. And what's interesting about charity, you and I know from going to charity functions, spending money on charity is the way that billionaires do it is generally pretty darn fun. Like the charity setting up these events usually that are, uh, that are, you know, these big social things. Yeah. Gave the money to charity. Uh, yeah, feeling the problem, good. the problem with that, we've been to a number of those and we don't swim in those circles, but the interesting thing is it's really hard to not keep up with the Joneses it, or at least want to in, in, in the charity thing. Absolutely. Yeah. When oh, they're yeah. like, who wants a parking space? You're like, I'll take one uh, opening bid 25,000. And the guy's like, yes. oh, here. And you're like, holy yeah. Boy, I got bit out of that pretty quick. I guess my 75 bucks that I put up on the silent auction for the wine collection is not going to win. That's when you're happy that they give you bidding numbers and like it doesn't say OG's family, you know, rare wine collection, 8750. Like that's my bid. Who's got who's got 650? I got 650, 650. Oh, crap. Yeah. I thought you meant $6.50. That happened one time in a live auction for a charity thing. I kind of. Where you thought the number was different than what it was? No, it got, you know, that's the price like eBay, right? But live eBay. You ever been to a live auction? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever competed in one? And you just get caught up and you're like, ah, I can almost afford that. <laughs> you're like, well, I'm already at 600 What's another 100 <laughs> You know, you're like, a, a fishing trip? I don't even like fishing, but well, it's for charity. Here, you're like, what are you going to do with a musky trip? Our next piece comes to us. Uh, Abigail Adams wrote this one. Eminem, the rapper Eminem, is selling his Detroit area mansion for $2 million less than what he paid. Eminem's Michigan mansion's up for sale, but the rapper's about to lose some serious dough, it says. Eminem's Rochester Hills home is listed for just under $2 million, according to Trulia, but he originally bought the house for $4.75 million 14 years ago, meaning he's getting less than half his money back. That is a whooping. This kind of uh, ruins the thing that you hear sometimes, that there are certain investments that go up all the time, right? No investment goes up all the time. Oof. Do you think he overpaid? I, I, he, he must have. The, mens- the mansion includes six bedrooms, nine and a half bathrooms, and stretches 17,000 square feet, according to oh, Trulia. That all? Yeah, that's it. What are you going to, I mean, how's he managing to live in there in such a small quarters? I can only imagine that it's pretty tight. It's probably why he's getting rid of it. Well, you, well, yeah, you can't live in it. I mean, it's a nice starter home, but you got yeah. to go up from there. Yeah. But let's talk about real estate for a second. I mean, you know, the key for real estate, and of of course, when you look at the houses at our sponsor, Roofstock site, when you go there, the key for really buying real estate is buying these smaller homes that a lot of people can afford. Because you get up to these bigger number homes, that's when it gets precarious. And people that invest in high-end housing, that's a risky proposition. 
Well, I think when it comes to, I mean, I don't have any expertise in buying a $4 million house by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't, I don't even know what the bidding process on that looks like. But it seems to me that um, if you have the best house in the neighborhood, you're never going to get top dollar for it, right? Because all the other homes in the sub are going to pull it down back to the mean. Well, even if even if you have a the $4 million house and all the rest of the houses are $2.5 million houses. Yeah. All the data that I've seen on this topic suggests that if you're somebody that has two to four point seven five million dollars, something you know in the range of this house, you can afford to customize your own house. So why would you buy one that doesn't really fit your need versus go and make your own? Well, I'll give Eminem a little slack here because 14 years ago, what was he? It's 2003. So that's kind of housing market. Yeah. You know, yeah. Craziness. Maybe got to get schnookered a little bit like, hey, buy this thing for four and a third and and uh, four and three quarters and it'll be worth 10 million in a few years. 2003 come down a little bit. You know, it's funny. There's people living. We talked about the Bay Area earlier. People in the Bay Area like two million dollars. How cute. (laughs) That is so cute. I remember my first starter home. (laughs) That is so neat. The M&M's buying these little properties. Right. Yeah, so it really does matter where you where you go for sure. It totally does matter. I think the lesson number one is uh, number one: making a housing decision. Probably start with a smaller house and don't be king of their neighborhood. <laughs> don't start with four point seven five million. And number two: want to be a millionaire? Make it automatic, baby. Follow the recipe card. James DeUlio is vice chairman for the College Savings Plan Network. He's been a board member since 2012 and been vice chair since 2016. Established in 1991, the CSPN acts as a clearinghouse for information regarding state-administered college savings programs. You have a lot of the treasures from different states, OG, that serve here. And Mr. DeUlio, he is one of the people who is aggressively working at making 529 plans better all the time. And I'm sure he's going to be able to tell us where the 529 plan is going. But for those of you that don't even know what 529s are, guess what? We're going to cover that too. 529 plan 101 with James Dulio coming down to the basement. And Jim Dulio joins us. Welcome, man. Hey, happy to be with you today. Well, I'm glad that we're getting a chance here at the start of the school year to talk 529 plans. What is it that you like best about the 529 plan structure? What is it that really you think grabs you and should grab our listeners about 529s? You know, I think the nicest thing about 529s, it gives you a nice path to run on. Uh, they're, they're set up. They're actually meant as investments to help get you to college in the you know, dozen or 15 years that you have to save. And then also there's a nice variety of uh, investments you can choose from. And then because they're so big, you know, with so many, many uh, accounts, you can actually uh, qualify for lower institutional investment fees. And so it's kind of a triple whammy. You can, you can uh, win three ways on this one. You're seeing that sometimes where people get lower fees, but there's still, it seems like Jim, there's some States that kind of lag behind, right? Somewhere the fees are, are still kind of high. Does that bother you? Well, you got to shop around a little bit, and it's a lot more than the fees. You know, there's uh, 30 states that offer some sort of an income tax credit or deduction, and so you should always check your own home state's plan first because 
you know, some of those uh, those tax deductions are substantial, you know, five or six percent of your uh, new dollars going in. You said that there's 30 states. Do you think in the future we're going to see more states offering tax breaks? Well, it depends. You know, a lot of those states already have income taxes. There are some states here in the country that don't have uh, right. income taxes. Right. But again, inside the account, uh, they both grow federal and state tax free when you use them for higher education. So that's really powerful by itself. When you see parents using a, a 529 plan, how do you like seeing people use it best? You know, the best way to start is to start early. I mean, start when your kids are three, four, five years old. Because a lot of times we talk to folks and uh, their kids are, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15. Right. And all of a sudden they say, I don't have time to do this. So the earlier you start, it's, it's less painful. You can start with smaller amounts. And of course, the money grows over time. But if somebody's got a 15-year-old, you don't discourage them from going that way, I would think. Oh, not at all. Not at all. You know, because any dollar you save right now can probably save you $2 down the road if you have to borrow <laughs> the money and pay it back with interest. You know, there's an awful lot of kids that come out of school with thirty dollars or $40,000 of loans, and then there's interest on top of that. So you're a whole lot better off just starting out early when the kids are young. You know, and a lot of times you can actually have your, uh, your family members help. They can always add two accounts, and many states also offer a tax break for relatives or friends or whatever to add to a child's account. So I don't want to sound like Scrooge here, but sometimes kids have too many toys. So maybe the higher ed might be a good deal, right? Bah humbug, man. Come on. <laughs> well, when we look at we look at 529 plans, I like the fact that if the child doesn't use it, mom or dad can roll it back into their name, right? And maybe they use it. Do you see that happen very often, Jim? It's, yeah, it happens. And actually, it happens much wider than that, too. Because let's say you have uh, a couple of children. Maybe one doesn't decide to, to go to school right away, or they may get a scholarship. So it goes to siblings, and you can actually uh, pass the money on to cousins, aunts, uncles. Just about anybody that comes for Thanksgiving dinner would be eligible, and you still keep all the tax benefits. Boy, that's a hell of a holiday gift if you're giving them your 529 plan. That it is. <laughs> hey, surprise. Guess what? <laughs> my kid didn't go to college, so I'm giving it to my nephew or my niece. When you look at 529 plans, obviously, you're sitting right on top of some of the innovation that's happening with 529s there at the College Savings Plan Network. What can we expect from 529s we don't see now? Is there anything you can talk about that might be uh, coming soon? Well, I tell you, one of the things that we like the best are what they call the age-based uh, tracks. Yeah. And it's something like a, like, a, like a target date thing you would find in a retirement plan. And the idea is that when the kids are three, four years old, five years old, the investments are a lot more aggressive than they would be because they're not going to go to college right away anyway. And then, of course, it smooths out when by the time they become teenagers. And so more and more states are doing that. And I think the innovation here is that in order to make that, uh, that path really smooth to college, instead of moving in three or four steps, an awful lot of states now are moving in seven, eight or nine oh, steps wow. just to smooth that out because, you know, the last thing you want to do is is uh, worry about the market moving against you when your kids are in high school. No, exactly. Especially now when we've had such a run-up in the stock market. You know, and, and fine, you know, you know, go ahead and capture your gains. And, uh, you know, what a lot of families do, too, is they can do some dollar-cost averaging out of the market, which kind of makes sense as well as you get closer to college. Are, are those rules going to change? Because I know that, it, well, I don't know this. You have to tell me, is it a 529 plan rule or is it a state-by-state -state rule where you are limited on the number of moves you can make inside the 529 every year? Unfortunately, that's a, it's a federal rule and there's only two changes allowed to existing money. But there is, a, with new money coming in, you can decide how that would, money would go in. So maybe if you do have some new contributions coming in or a lump sum, you can choose something different. And um, if you change beneficiaries, 
uh, you can also make a change then in the investment allocation at the same time. Got it. Well, that makes sense anyway. But why does that rule exist, though, Jim? Is that to discourage day trading and people doing stupid stuff? This was, gosh, this just goes way back. It does. And uh, up until about a year or so ago, you only could make one change a year. So that, you know, that hampered a lot of things. But uh, maybe somewhere down the road, they might expand that to maybe a few more times. Obviously, we don't want people day trading sure. with their kids' money. But at the same time, you want the flexibility just to respond to the market. Right. We don't have to be like Vegas with your kid's college money. Put it put it all on black. Right? Oh, no, you don't. Right. <laughs> you know, a lot of the times on the show, we get these letters that say, why should I use a 529 plan versus a Roth IRA? Because with a Roth, I can use it for retirement. I can use it for other things. It's more of a Swiss Army knife. What would you say to those people? Well, you know, a lot of the same rules apply to uh, the 529s that apply to Roths. Because let's just say that you have no use for the money. You're not going to use it for college or whatever. So you end up actually, uh, the money comes out and it's taxable as ordinary income, plus a 10% penalty on the on the gains. So it'd be the same as taking money out of a regular IRA or whatever, you know, before retirement age. So if you want to do a Roth, that's fine. But I think the, uh, the efficiencies and also the tax break going in would help a lot, especially in the state with income taxes. Yeah. Let's go back for a second to shopping around when it comes to your 529 plan. You said start with your home state and then shop. Are there resources that you like best where people should shop or are there things where you discourage people from shopping for a new 529 plan? Well, I tell you, we have a really good one where all the states cooperate. Uh, the website is called college savings with an S dot O R G and everybody has their plan there. And then we also have some charts to compare some of the other things like Coverdell's or UGMAs or UTMAs. And it has a lot of the benefits and advantages and disadvantages of each of those. But it kind of gives you an idea. And then, of course, uh, there's just a lot of phone numbers all over the place. And so whether you're, you're doing it on yourself or you're working with a financial advisor, uh, don't be afraid to ask a lot of questions. Yeah, no, that's good advice. It's collegesavings.org. And by the way, everybody, we'll have a link to that on our show notes at Stacking Benjamin so that if you're out walking the dog or driving to or from work, we've got you covered there. Let's talk a little bit then, Jim, about Coverdell's. What's the difference between a Coverdell and a 529? Because a lot of people don't even know what a Coverdell is. Well, the Coverdell's were around that. Back they were called the Education IRA way back when. The biggest problem is you're limited to only $2,000 a year going into the uh, investment. So, you know, that doesn't give you a whole lot of, a lot of oomph there to, is to get to college. The bigger advantage, I suppose, is you can use it for high school or, or elementary school expenses, whereas you can only use 529 for uh, things that are post-high school. But yeah. then again, it's it's up to you. And a lot of times with the Coverdales is uh, usually the fees on the investments are a little higher because you're investing as an individual rather than with thousands or millions of other people in the same pool of money. Oh, gotcha. Okay, sure. Right. And to get that, you'd go to wherever brokerage house or advisor or whatever that you use? Yeah, I mean, that would be the good thing. You know, I'm, I'm not a tax attorney, but I have coffee with those guys a lot. And uh, <laughs> they, they always say, please, please check, because a lot of these taxings you don't want to do yourself because you can get yourself into trouble and it's pretty hard to unscramble the eggs. Yeah. And we talked about expenses when it comes to the funds, but let's talk about expenses that are covered when it comes to using a 529 plan. So when I pull that money out of the 529 plan, Jim, what are some of the expenses that people are surprised are covered and maybe some that people are surprised aren't covered? Well, you know, way back when it was just uh, tuition and fees, but it's, it's been expanded over the years to include room and board, whether you're living on campus or off campus, 
uh, in a dorm or apartments or whatever. You can also use it for books. Uh, something was just added within the last couple of years here is software and computers, as long as you're a half-time student. And then as well as fees, the things you can't do with a 529 is you can't use it to buy a car or take a vacation on spring break. But just about <laughs> everything else that's involved with college uh, seems to work. Once again, you're bah humbug. I can't do the spring break trip using my 529 money. <laughs> That's fine. I, I have an agreement with the government. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm not, not going to turn you in. <laughs> right. So. right, that's a bummer. But when I pull it out, how does that work? Do I have a form that I have to fill out with the 529 plan that says I'm using it for these expenses, or is it only if I'm audited that I get caught? I mean, let's let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Well, the easiest way to do is just have a file, just a file, and you keep with your income taxes. Okay. You don't have to file your withdrawals or expenses with your taxes, but uh, just. Uh, your expenses, whether it's you're paying for tuition for your kid or you're buying books or whatever, your withdrawals shouldn't exceed what your actual expenses were for that calendar year, January through December. What you can also do is keep a record of that. And then the second thing is that in the event you ever get audited, you can just pull out your, your file and say, well, these are the expenses for this year. There now, in order to help you along, all the plans issue a 1099 form in January that reminds you of all the dollars that you took out of the account during the course of the year. Got it. Cool. Okay. And then let's compare and contrast the other one. And a lot of people don't even know that they have one of these and they probably do, which is an UGMA or an UPMA account. They just think they have money. Yeah. They just think they have money in junior's name. How does a 529 compare and contrast with one of those? Well, here's the, here's the big difference right there with the UGMA or UPMA, depending on what state you live in and how old the kids are. uh, The money automatically ends up with the child at age 18 or 21. It's their money. So if they want to use it to go on spring break or buy a car, they can certainly do that. And sometimes that's not your intention. Whereas with a 529, the parent or the owner of the account retains control all the time. So let's just say that, you know, your your child is not responsible and uh, you can say, well, I'm sorry, we're going to hold the money back or we're not going to pay for all these things that you need to do. I mean, it happens once in a while. And then, of course, you're also allowed some, some more latitude as, as the owner. You can make the investment choices. And then you can also direct, you know, how the money comes out if it's sent directly to the school or to reimburse yourself or, or pay to the child who in turn can pay the college. Yeah, if we disagree with Junior on an UGMA and an UPMA plan, it, like you said, 18 or 21, depending on the state, you're going to lose that argument every time because legally it's not yours. Yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, that's where it is. Now, there is a there is kind of a little quirk here. You can actually put an UGMA inside of a 529. Now, why would you do that? Is the child still gets the money at the... Uh, at 18 or 21, but you can also qualify then for those those lower fees here just because gotcha. 529 assets are so big. So you, you might be able to save a few dollars in that respect. Now, I know about programs, and I don't know if you can talk to individual programs or individual stuff, but I know like the You Promise program where people get some rewards when it comes to their, you know, hooking that onto a 529 program. Do you like those types of things? Are there any others that you really like? Oh, there's a variety of programs all across the country, and they do that you know, with gift cards or they do it with uh, with points that look like frequent flyer, or sometimes there's a, there, there's a match. Uh, and there are a few states out there that will actually match you in your first dollars or after you've had an account open for a while. So it kind of pays to shop around and, and look for those. Those are just nice little things that's kind of frosting on the cake. Right. You know, but the heavy lifting is that, you know, at some point in time, you, you have to say, I've got to start saving money. Yeah. Save like a Chicago election early and often, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you gave me one great resource, collegesavings.org. Let's talk about your organization, the College Savings Plan Network. What's going on there, Jim? 
You know, this is a, this is a great organization. All the states get together and we share best practices. And some of the things that we do are kind of behind the scenes is we decide that um, how we organize our disclosure materials for you people that are out there, you know, learning about the legal things. Uh, they're, they're organized pretty much the same from state to state. So you can compare the things on risk and fees and the legals and the taxes implications. And then we also, uh, sponsor a number of activities. Uh, we're coming up here in September on College Savings Month. And then, of course, on May 29th, which uh, if you're looking at the calendar is 529, we also have events all over the country on 529 day. That's kind of our special holiday. That's great. That's so funny. That's awesome. I got to remember that day. I totally miss that every year. I'll give you a call and you can come to the big parade. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm with you. Jim Dulio, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Hey, this has been awesome. Appreciate the time to visit. What's up, trivia fans? I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I think every day should be Labor Day, shouldn't it? Sitting back, eating eight or nine hot dogs, drinking Diet Cherry Coke mixed with Sprite. Yeah, Sprite? The only thing that could make this better is what Joe's mom calls a midday energy rejuvenation period, or as it's most commonly known, a nap. I don't want my brain working too hard either. It deserves a Labor Day rest too, you know. So here's some timely trivia. In what decade did Labor Day become a federal holiday? I'll be back with the answer in just a minute. You know, down here in the basement, we only like to partner with companies we're proud to put our name behind. So we're excited to announce our newest sponsor to the Stacky Benjamin Show, M1 Finance. Recently sat down with Brian Barnes, CEO and founder, and asked him what makes M1 Finance unique. M1 is one of the only automated investing platforms that allows you to customize the portfolio that you invest in. It creates a lot more engagement and fun in investing while still being easy and low cost. Anybody who's tried online investing tools or used to compromises, do you pick a traditional self-directed brokerage that hits you with commissions at every trade or an automated machine makes you hand over the reins? Don't compromise. Scratch out commissions at every turn. Take back control of your own portfolio and take advantage of the uniqueness that's M1 Finance. Takes minutes to sign up. Start by heading over to stackybedjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance. M1 Finance, be invested. Disclaimer, by the way, both Cheryl, my spouse, and I use M1 Finance. It works for us, but you need to do your own homework. And you amazing people who, by the way, are statistically smarter than non-trivia listeners. I'm back from the break with your Labor Day flavored trivia answer. Hoo-hoo-hoo, baby! Joe's mom's recliner is calling my name, so let's get this done. Here was your question. What decade did Labor Day finally become a federal holiday? The answer? Although celebrated on a state level for some years prior, Labor Day became a federal holiday in the year 1894. Meaning, if you said 1890s, well, you can now brag to all your not-so-smart friends. Okay, time to jump on that recliner before Cooper the Cat squats on the heated blanket. See ya! Big thanks to Jim. You know... 529 plans, OG. Good stuff. And getting better. Anything that they can do to help with education, consumer education, I think is helpful. Lower some of the costs. You know, you remember years ago, these things were pretty expensive, but now they're getting filled with some pretty good products. So 
you know, keep on keeping on, I guess. Yeah, it's good to see that there's uh, even more change coming to 529 plans. We'll have a link to all the resources that Jim talked about in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's, or rather, life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they've been spearheading innovation. Even on Labor Day, OG, they're spearheading innovation. Spearheading on Labor Day. Within the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most. This morning, brother, coffee and a protein bar. <laughs> How about family and time? It's why they created a high-quality, most importantly, affordable term life insurance policy issued by Mass Mutual. You can purchase entirely online. No need to wait several weeks for the decision when you can get one, bam, instantly with Haven Life. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and to learn about life insurance the modern way. Stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today we're going to throw out the lifeline to our friend Kara. Say hello, Kara. Hi, this is Kara from Chicago, and I have a question regarding a home remodel we're about to do. My husband and I both are debt-free. We paid off our mortgage, and we're looking to do a $30,000 kitchen remodel. And we want to know if we should take out a home equity loan or if we should just pay that in cash. We're thinking maybe that interest deduction might be worthwhile to potentially put us in a different tax bracket or deduct, or would it be better just to put that $30,000 in the market? Um, by the way, we're maxing out our retirement accounts too. Thanks. Wow. Good stuff there. Thanks for the call, Kara. Kara's got a good problem to have, huh? Pretty swell. Yeah. Done uh, some good work. Yeah. I'm debt free and I think I might want more debt. Hmm. I wouldn't do this. I pay cash. A whole host of reasons for it, but I really happen to come down on the side of Dave Ramsey on this when he talks about paying down your house and but won't I have the tax to lose the tax deduction? And if you look at the tax deduction on the interest, could you not just take that interest that you would pay the bank and just donate to charity and have a real similar response on uh, on your tax forms? So I would totally do that. I would pay cash, assuming that you got the cash reserve. It sounds like you must, otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be an option. But uh, but I would uh, I would write a check. Here's the other great thing too: when you pay cash and you've got a budget, you're more likely to stick to it. Whereas if you've got a home equity line of credit, the bank's gonna the bank's not gonna tap out at thirty just because you said you want thirty. They're gonna say, "Hey, how's about we uh, let you have 110, 125? And then you know all of a sudden your thirty thousand dollar remodel turns into a seventy thousand dollar remodel, and you know that's not what you want to do either. So I like paying cash, clean, simple. Move on with the next part of your life. This is where broke professors, as we used to call them, get into trouble because you do this math and the math works out the way that I'm sure Kara has thought about this before she called in. You do the math on this, OG, get a very low interest loan, tax deductible probably, right, if it's a home equity loan. So bam, now she's got an even lower interest rate to compete against. Market's doing well. She can beat the heck out of that interest rate. She makes a few extra bucks. It's a big win. And uh I've seen so many broke professors that can do that math. The issue, the issue for me, the issue for me is, is not just behavior; it's also circumstance of Murphy's law. It seems like somebody sitting in a great position, like Karen and her husband are right now, they take on that first debt and they're doing it to make hay, right? And then something bad finally happens, and it seems to always happen right then. And the next thing you know, they got to take out a different debt and another debt, and then the spiral begins, right? So yeah. th- I, th- I think it's tempting fate a little bit. Yeah, you've already you've checked this thing off in your life, right? <laughs> like you're debt free. Don't don't uncheck. There's no it. necessity to go back to that. Good stuff. Thanks for the call, Kara. 
If you've got a call for the Haven Lifeline, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And we'd love to throw out the Haven Lifeline to you. Kara's, by the way, has taken home one of these killer, killer Snazzy. T-shirts. Yeah, actually, you know what, Kara? Uh, you did not give me anything about you. So, Kara, you're going to have to write to me and uh, let me know how I get a hold of you. Because uh, she put anonymous in here, which is which is fine. That's good. So, Kara, you're supposed to get your cool T-shirt. I know, it, it, and I think it is the best one. I think the circus one is the best one. Stacky Benjamins, stackybenjamins.com forward slash shirts. By the way, if you want to check out all the Stacky Benjamins swag, we also get mail, and today we've got a letter that Doug just brought down from Troy. Troy says, "Hey, Joe and OG, got a question about my investment accounts." I've just recently begun learning more about finance, investing, and retirement. I found your podcast to be extremely useful despite your neighbor Doug's best efforts. <laughs> My current employer offers a 401k through Fidelity, but doesn't offer a company match. I have a Roth IRA with Betterment. I know I'm sorry I started the account early in my financial journey, as well as an IRA from a former employer with Northwestern Mutual. I'm currently trying to transfer these funds to Vanguard to save on the ridiculously high fees. My question is, what is the best way for me to maximize my savings for retirement? My wife's self-employed, so my plan is to open a self-employed 401k and have her contribute her entire salary around 10000 a year at this point, but looking to grow that amount to that account while using my income to max out my Roth IRA, and then any spare income will go into a taxable account we're using to fund future real estate investments and our hopeful early retirement. My wife plans on continuing to be self-employed and does not foresee needing additional employees, so we shouldn't need to make any changes to her 401k in the future. We'll use it as our primary retirement vehicle once we reach 59 and a half, supplemented by my Roth IRA and our passive income. Does this sound like a viable option? And is there anything I might have missed that would help us ensure we're saving enough for retirement as well as maintaining tax diversification once we begin drawing down these accounts? Obviously, my employer begins offering a company match. We'll start contributing to that account as well to take advantage of the free money. Thanks for all the laughs and occasionally teaching your listeners about finances. We don't, we, if you learn anything, Troy, keep it to yourself. But we'll go ahead and uh, talk about this question. What do you think, man? I think everything's great. The only uh, addition to this would be I would want to figure out what your target is. You know, you can't dump money into it without knowing if you're dumping the right amount. Gosh, especially if you're if you're young. I don't think Troy mentions how old he is, but uh, if you knew 30 years ago that $100 a month made the difference, and you get to retirement and somebody says, "Oh, geez, you were only $100 a month off for 30 years." Well, you're pretty ticked off. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, you know, figure that number out, you know, and that you're woefully short now. So I would start with calculating how much do I think I need in retirement from an income standpoint, and then back into uh, what the savings looks like. We just have so much fun in our close Facebook group, the basement. And if you want to join us over there, stackybenjamins.com forward slash basement will take you there. Our friend John in, in the basement <laughs> to this point made us remember this uh, old commercial from ING. Hey, Clark, what you got there? This is my number. It's the amount I need to save to retire the way I want. Is that your number? Yeah. A gazillion, huh? A gazillion, bazillion. It's just a guesstimation. Well, how do you plan for that? Well, I blindly throw money at it and hope something good happens. <laughs> so you really don't have a plan? I really don't. <laughs> yes, I love that. I remember that a gazillion, bazillion. I just blindly throw money at it. Yes. It's so good. Don't blindly uh, throw money at it. I don't know if I like that one better or the guy on the on the the riding lawnmower. I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. 
those those are a couple of great mm-hmm. commercials. Those are a couple of good ones. I've yeah. got some good commercials from. I should well, I should send these to you. You can put them on Facebook. I got some good commercials from the recession, like uh, Saturday Night Live things, where they're making fun of the, like the whole market like crashing and oh, really? everybody's out of money and stuff. Is pretty good. I love so that. Hanging, I'm hanging on to them for the next one. A year or two ago, we did that one where Steve Martin was on Saturday Night Live, the one about spending not spending money you don't have. Oh, yes. Yes, I've got a good Alec Baldwin one, and then I've got one from uh, uh, Canadian Saturday Night Live, whatever it's called. SCTV? The old SCTV? No, no, no. No, it's uh, something else, but it's funny. Good stuff. All right. Uh, Thanks a ton for the letter, Troy. If you've got a letter for the show, you know what? Uh, Go to the Haven Lifeline. That's your best spot. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Or you can send a letter to me, Joe, at StackingBenjamins, or... For either one of those, just head to our website, stackingbenjamins.com. You know what? On the top, it says questions. Click that and you'll see Haven Lifeline letters to the show. Very thankful for people that also tell friends about us, that uh, tweet or post a Facebook message about why they like the show so much. And also people that leave us reviews because that helps people know exactly what they're getting into. Five stars from 691 Seeker. This one's going on Mom's Fridge, OG. Best modern finance podcast yet. Are we modern? (laughs) Could be. What I really love about the show is how they explain basic finance principles and tying it to modern technology. The show is funny, light, and filled with great resource. I absolutely recommend this show to all millennials looking to decrease debt and increase savings and investments. Thanks a ton for that review. And uh, mom's very, very proud of us for that one, OG. If you wouldn't mind reviewing the show, uh, we'll talk about having mom post yours on the fridge. as well. And finally, if you're somebody looking for good help in your corner and uh, can't find that person, well, guess what? OG's even taking clients. How wild is that? Totally wild. So here on Labor Day, give yourself less labor. I'm trying to make up this thing as I go and it's not working. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. And you know what? That'll lead you to his calendar where he can then talk to you about what it will take to get him in your corner working for you to reach your financial goals. All right. Coming up on Wednesday, another fantastic show. We're, we're kicking this thing off great. Thanks again to Jim Dulio for coming down to the basement. On Wednesday, speaking of millennials, and you don't have to be a millennial to like this topic, Douglas and Heather Bonaparte. Douglas is a CFP and uh, Heather is an attorney and they have this new book out called The Millennial Money Fix. And we're going to take you through some of the early chapters, some of their early fixes. I prefer to dig deep into a couple, you know, a few of the the chapters to see what nuggets we can get. If people want more, you know, then they can go buy the book. But we're going to we're going to talk about fixing your money, whether you're a millennial or not. Love it. Let's get it fixed. That's on Wednesday. Uh, OG, you fixed? <laughs> No way, Jose. <laughs> that they, ain't happening. You didn't expect that one, did you? Nope. All right. All right. Nobody's, nobody's getting close. Doug, take it from here before we say something else inappropriate. Thanks, Joe. I'm happy to help everybody figure out what we learned today. For you, don't worry. After the show, I'll use some crayons and construction paper, and I'll, I'll break it down real simple for you. All right, everybody else. So what did we learn today? First, 529 plans, while they're changing, those changes have made them less expensive and more versatile than ever before. If you're saving for college, check out your state's 529 plan and then other 529 plans from across the country. Second, want to be a millionaire? More people are crossing the two-comma threshold than ever before. 
and it's not magic. Save diligently. Use straightforward investments to reach your goal, and most important, keep a robust savings rate. But the big lesson? Don't own a cat if you want to take a nap. Joe's mom's cat, idea of a good time? Look in my face the whole time while I'm laying down. While that's fun, sometimes after a long night at the Sizzler, this guy's just trying to enjoy Labor Day. Come on! Big thanks to James DiULio for stopping by. You'll find more on the College Plan Savings Network and 529 Plan resources on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm going to go buy you drinks until you find me attractive. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to Cooper the Cat for deciding that laying on my arm was a better choice than my face. So after show rules, don't talk about it. Use dessert, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So I'm laying in bed last night. This is why I'm a little groggy this morning. So I'm laying in bed. It's, uh, I don't know, two in the morning. You ever wake up and you don't know why you woke up, but but now you're awake and, and you're thinking, well, there's a reason I woke up. You know, is there a shimmy shake in the night? You know what it is. And I hear this singing. It's faint faint singing or it's talking or something. The right? angels, angels are coming for you. It's, it's something. It's not that kind of singing. It's like a, like the radio's on or something. And so I'm thinking, all right, one of the kids left their, you know, radios on when they went to bed, they put on a sleep timer. Right. So try to go back to sleep and I hear it again and then it goes away and I hear it again and it goes away and I can't feel, I'm like, what in the heck is that? And then I think my eight-year-old, who is a conniving little son of a gun, he has found an old iPhone 3 somewhere in the house, and he's found the charger for it, and now he's got himself an iPhone, according to him. It doesn't work. But I'm thinking, he's got that thing out, and he's in his bedroom 
he's watching YouTube or something. I blocked the internet, but he's smart enough. He probably figured out, oh, I'll just pick a different router, you know, I'll log in and screw dad, right? So I'm thinking, oh, I got to go upstairs. And I'm going to, oh, I'm going to whoop him so good. It's two in the morning. It's a school night for crying out loud, right? I'm laying there and I'm like, and finally I hear, Caroline. And I'm like, oh God, that's that stupid freaking dog. So we got this animal, not a real animal, a stuffed animal that at the factory, you tell it what the baby's name is. And then it programs all the songs about the baby, like, you know, and it incorporates the baby's name into it and everything. And I'm like, oh my God, she's got that damn thing in her bed. And she's rolling on it and it's turning out like you've pressed the pause, it sings songs, if you know, and I'm like, oh my God, it's gonna wake her up. It's like tiptoe. And then everybody's awake if that happens. Yeah. So I go into her room, I tiptoe in there, I open the door, of course. You know, it can't be a quiet door today. Gotta have a squeak in it. Got to. No movement. Take the dog, like grab it by the ear, put it on the floor nice and quietly. I turn back around. And there's my daughter standing up and she, we do baby sign language. So she's baby signing more, more. And I'm like, oh gosh. So I'm like, okay, baby, it's time for night night. You know, laid down, close the door. You know, she's going crazy. I'm up. I got to go to the bathroom now because I'm an old guy and that's what old men do in the middle of the night. And so Mrs. OG, she's walking, she hears the baby go, you know, crying, right? She stumbles out of bed and she's walking down the hallway (laughs) it it she comes around the corner and i think her heart stopped 15 times for you know 15 seconds there because here's this shadow of a man standing in the bathroom in the hallway who she doesn't expect right she's just kind of going to the baby cuz the baby's crying doesn't realize i'm not in bed <laughs> she's like oh my god <laughs> she's like i was walking out the hallway i'm like why is there water running everywhere why is the baby crying <laughs> so that was at 2.30. So we got to bed about 4.30 because then Caroline was awake and wanted to be, a, you know, she yeah. wants to be. It's party time. Party time. Party time. Yep. So even though she's 15 months old now, she, anyway, so. What a great night at the OG house. God, you know, so so we're laying in bed after she's crying. You know, my wife put her to bed and I'm laying there and she goes, don't ever touch the f- dog. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.